So the first section of this essay, again Ramarajan puts forth some questions and tries answering them uh, by emphasizing on special aspects of the question and he is asking, is there an Indian way of uh, thinking? And he begins by uh, his essay uh, referring to Stanislavski. That is, he gave an exercise for his actors and he would give them an everyday sentence like, bring me a cup of coffee and ask the actors to say it in 40 different ways. Likewise. Here Ramanujan is also giving a sentence, is there an Indian way of thinking and giving stress to various uh, words. So for the first question, the answer is that uh, such a thinking does not exist now and it can be located in the upper caste Brahmanical section of society. That is in Vedas and other religious texts uh, or one, one goes to Pandits. However, since our thinking is largely shaped as per the Vedas, it would be completely wrong to say that there still is an Indian way of thinking that exists. And the second question might elicit answers like uh, this, that is, there is no single Indian way of thinking. There are great and little traditions, ancient and modern, rural and urban, uh, classical and folk, and each language, caste and region has its special world view. And uh, in India, uh, we celebrate diversities and highlights these differences. Therefore, a single Indian way of thinking does not exist. And to the third question, is there a, an Indian way of thinking? Indian is uh, nothing but a product of the influence of external cultures, uh, languages, religions and social evolutions. So therefore, one might say that we see in India is nothing unique to India. However, India is capable of adapting to the changes and accommodating these external influence into its culture. That is, and also the last question, the fourth question, that is, whether Indians think at all, it is the best that is materialistic and rational. Indians have no philosophy, only religion, no positive science, not even a psychology. And India, and India matter is subordinated to spirit rational thought to feeling and intuition. So he says that it is the West that is capable of thought. The West is projected as materialistic and rational and in India logic is rationalized with religion and superstition. So in India actions are projected not uh, the thought behind these actions. So in this first part he says that how India is perceived differently at different stages by different people and from different perspective. In the second section, uh, he discusses about the inconsistency between tradition and modernity that is depicted with an example from Ramanujan's personal experience and he is giving the example of his father uh, to show how India can be ancient at modern at the same time. And his father was a South Indian Brahmin. That is, his father's clothes represented his inner life very well. He was a South Indian Brahmin gentleman. He wore neat white turbans, a Sri Vaishnava caste mark, then total ties, prominence buttons, collar studs, donned English jackets over his Muslim dhotis, which he wore draped in traditional Brahmin style. And also he wore tartan patterned songs, well-polished leather shoes when he went to the university and but he carefully took them off before he entered the inner quarters of the house. 
and he was also a mathematician and astronomer but he was also a sanskrit scholar and expert astrologer so he had two kinds of exotic visitors both american and english mathematicians and uh, while he read the bhagavad gita religiously every morning after taking a bath he would talk about russell and in ingersoll along with the also with the same amount of passion uh, so ramarajan could not figure out such an inconsistency his father appeared to neither think nor care about any sort of inconsistency and in the third part of the essay he interrogates uh, the concept of inconsistency in a larger context and he does not just limit it to his father and he talks of the concept of karma and that of talavidi karma implies the self past as determining the present and future it is an iron chain of cause and effect karmic philosophy is written and talavidi or head writing focuses on destiny and it is a part of oral tradition and uh, this inscription has no uh, relation to one's prior actions and usually in such explanations past lives are not even part of the scheme and another related characteristic seems to preoccupy observers that is we have already said that inconsistency is not a matter of ineducate uh, education or lack of logical rigor it may be using a different logic altogether and something else says that such logic is an earlier stage of cultural evolution cultural evolution is the idea that humans cultural change that is uh, changes in socially transmitted beliefs knowledge customs skills attitude language etc and uh, and we define culture as informations uh, capable of affecting individuals behavior uh, that they acquire from other members of their species through teaching uh, imitation and other forms of social transmission cultural evolution is fundamentally just the change of culture over time and also he says that indians have not developed a notion of data or objective facts and says orientalism cites uh, many such european stereotypes about the third world and he is also quoting uh, henry kissinger's explanation and in said orientalism he start by saying that the existence and uh, development of every culture impels the existence of a different and inevitably competitive other or alter ego that is western representation of the middle eastern societies and cultures and uh, he says that the western construction of the orient is that we are yet to develop the notion of data or objective facts and according to again he says that such a view cannot be dismissed as peculiar to kissinger's version of newtonian optics but meet with it again and again in travelogues psychological writings novels and nepal quotes sudhir kakar a sophisticated psychoanalyst uh, deeply acknowledged in matters indian as well as western and insider or outsider so newtonian thinking is uh, the world view underlying traditional science may be called mechanistic or newtonian it is based in reductionism determinism materialism and a reflection correspondence view of knowledge and it denies human agency values creativity and evolution 
so uh, he is also quoting sudhir kakar that he says generally among indians there seem to be a different relationship to outside reality compared to the one met with in the west in india it is closer to a certain stage in childhood when outer objects did not have a separate independent existence but were intimately related to the self and its affective cause state and the indian ego is underdeveloped the world of magic and animalistic thinking like close to the surface so the grasp of reality is relatively tenuous so according to sudhir kalkar in oriental world there is no clear difference between self and non self this is and it also brings about inconsistency and india is not influenced by newtonian thoughts according to kissinger in india there is no concept of the universal and the indian way of uh, thinking lacks universality it is a traditional society consisting of in constituting of uh, inconsistency and hypocrisy and since the society is tradition in nature the approach towards the entire society is not secular according to simba indians can imagine a time in history without man west cannot do that as it is egoistic in nature and again he is quoting a paragraph from foster's a passage to india where mrs moore muses vividly on the relations between inside and outside in india and the confusing confounding of the two is not special to human in india so going to hang up cot going to hang up her cloak she found the tip of the pegs was occupied by a small wasp she had known this wasps or his relatives by seeing Uh, they were not as english wap they ha- but had long yellow legs which hung down behind when they flew perhaps he mistook the peg for a branch no indian animal has any sense of an interior bats rats birds insects will act as soon nest inside the house as out it is to them a normal growth of the eternal jungle so which alternately produced houses trees um there he clung asleep while jackals bade their desires and mingled with the percussion of drums so uh while the west has universality in india uh, there are subjective positions the understanding of reality in india is always context sensitive and not context free and in india even the perception of truth is not a universal concept in the west man shall not kill is a universal statement and again uh, he says like sima uh, praise uh, the indians for not being hung up on an objectivity that distinguishes self from non self interior from exterior what for nepal is a defect of vision or a vision itself so india thinks of time and herself in biological terms terms out of the species not to be ephemeral ego we of the west we of the west regard world history as a biography of mankind and in particular of occidental man 
our will is not to culminate in our human institution the university the universal play of nature but to evaluate to set ourselves against the play with an egocentric tenacity and the third trait should be added to inconsistency and to apparent inability to distinguish self and non self so this was the third trait he say inconsistency and inability to distinguish self from non self so one has only uh, read to manu after a bit of kind to be struck by the former extraordinary lack of universality and he seems to have no clear notion of universal human nature from which uh, one can deduce ethical dis- uh, decrees like man shall not kill man shall not tell us untruth one is aware of the one is aware of no notion of a state no unitary law of all men so manu uh quoted by muller in 1883 as the following kshatriya having defamed a brahman shall be fined fined one hundred that is the pana or rupee a vaishya one hundred and two or fifty uh, or two two hundred a shudra shall suffer corporal punishment so uh, he is quoting uh, fosters uh, that the dialogue of mrs mordari is uh, she is musing vividly on the relationship between inside and outside in india and that is confounding of the two is not special to human in india uh, next uh, he praised the indians for not being hung up on an objectivity that distinguishes self from non self that is interior from exterior uh what for naipaul is a defect of vision and for simmer it is vision itself uh, to quote india thinks of time and herself in biological terms uh, terms of the species not of the ephemeral ego we of the west regard world history as a biography of mankind and in particular of occidental man our will is not to culminate in our human institution the universal play of nature but to evaluate to set ourselves against the play with an egocentric tenacity so another third trait the author is trying to say is it should be added to inconsistency and to apparent inability to distinguish self and non self so one has only to read manu after ye a bit of can't to be struck by the former's extraordinary lack of uh, universality so again he is pointing out lack of universality and he seems to have no clear notion of a universal human nature from which one can deduce ethical decrees like man shall not kill or man shall not tell an untruth one is aware of no notion of a state no unitary law of all men so is uh, also uh, he, this manu has no clear notion of universal human nature uh, like to court manu that is a kshatriya having defamed a brahmana shall be fined 100 100 pana uh, rupees uh, a vaishya 150 or 200 a shudra shall suffer corporal punishment so here uh, no unitary laws for humans 
so even truth telling is not an unconditional imperative as miller's correspondence discovered an untruth spoken by people under the influence of anger excessive joy fear pain or grief by infants by very old men by persons laboring under a delusion being under the influence of drink or by madmen does not cause the speaker to fall or as we should say uh, is a venial not a mortal sin so again uh, he is referring alexander wilder adds in a foot not further extensions at the time of marriage uh, during dalliance when life is in danger when the loss of property is threatened and for the sake of brahmana manu declared whenever the death of a man of any of the four caste would be occasioned by true evidence falsehood was even better than truth so contrast this uh, with kant's well known formulation of his imperative act as if the maximum of your action were to become through your will a universal law of nature so kant's uh, most prominent formulation of the categorical imperative known as uh, the formula of universal law is generally thought to demand that one act only on maxims that one can will as universal laws without this generating a contradiction he says that uh, natural purposes are self organizing they produce the parts which they depend upon and he also introduces here uh, the idea that the concept of natural purposes is merely regulative and not constitutive so here kant's uh, universal law that is introduced in 1785 and uh, it's best known in its original formulation that is act only according to that maxim whereby you can at the same time uh, will that it should become a universal law and uh, this categorical imperative is the central philosophical concept in the Uh, moral philosophy of immanuel kant and it is introduced in kant's uh, 1785 uh, metaphysic of morals so it is a way of evaluating motivations for action and it is best known in its original formulation that is act only according to that maxim whereby you can at the same time uh, will that it should become a universal law Uh, that a moral maxim must imply absolute necessity which is to say that it must be disconnected from the particular physical details uh, surrounding the proposition and could be applied to any rational being so this led to the first formulation of categorical imperative or sometimes called principle of universal universality and closely connected with this formulation is the law of nature formulation uh, because uh, laws of nature are by definition universal and he also express uh, the categorical imperative as act as if the maxims of your action were to become through your will a universal law of nature and uh, he has two subsets that is the first division is about duties uh, that we have to ourselves versus those we have to others so oh, that's what he is uh, referring earlier that even uh, truth telling is not an unconditional imperative so contrast this with kant well known formulation of his imperative act as if the maximum of your action were to become through your will a universal law of nature so uh, to quote moral judgments are universalizable 
says Mackey. Universalization means putting oneself in another's place. It is the golden rule of New Testament. Hobbes, law of all men, do not do unto others what you do not want done unto you. So the main tradition of judo, Christian ethics, is based on such a premise of universalization. Manu will not understand such a premise uh, to be moral. Uh, for Manu uh, is to particularize, to ask who did what, to whom and when. Shaw's comment, do not do unto others as you would have they should do unto you. Their taste may be, may not be the same. Will be closer to Manu's view except the word. He would substitute natures of classes for taste and each class or jadi of man has his own laws, his own proper ethic, not to be universalized. And Hegel shrewdly noted this Indian slant. While we say bravery is a virtue, the Hindus say, on the contrary, bravery is a virtue of the Kshatriyas. So he is asking, is there any system to, to this particularism? Indian philosophers do not seem to make Synoptic systems like Hegel's or Kant, Sheryl Daniels speak of a toolbox of ideas that Indians carry about and from which they use one or another without much show of logic. Anything goes into their bricolage, that is Levi-Strauss. And Max Weber in various writings distinguished the traditional and rational religions. Gates summarizes the distinction better than other writers. Traditional religions attack problems opportunistically as they rise in each particular instance, employing one or another weapon chosen on grounds of symbolic appropriateness from their cluttered arsenal of myth and magic. The approach is discreet and irregular. Rationalized religions are more abstract, more logically coherent and more generally phrased. So the question is no longer to use a classic example from Evans Pritchard. Why has the granary fallen on my brother? But rather, why do the good die young and the evil flourish as the green bay tree? In India, uh, there is no concept of the universal and the Indian way of thinking lacks universality. So it is a traditional society constituting of inconsistency and hypocrisy. Since the society is tradition in nature, the approach towards the entire society is not secular. So according to Simma, Indians can imagine a time in history without man. And West cannot do that as it is egoistic in nature. So while the West has universality, in India there are subjective positions. The understanding of reality in India is always context sensitive on what context they belong to or what are the things what is it's uh, mainly focused on the context and not context free so in india even the perception of truth is not a universal concept in the west man shall not kill is a universal sta statement but in india punishments are meted out owing to a person's social status as uh, he is referring to manu that a kshatriya having defamed a brahmana so it is entirely different, 100 Pana for him and Vaishya 150 and Shudra shall suffer corporal punishment. So in the West, uh, man shall not kill is a universal statement but in India punishments are meted out owing to a person's social status. 
so even in manusmriti we find that moral codes need not be adhered to under all circumstances so the western way of thinking is epitomized in the philosophical speculations of immanuel kant and it is noted for its universalization and generalization and on the contrary the indian philosophy has its roots in manu whose world view is characterized by particularism and context specificity and uh, the western way of thinking is based on data and objective phase whereas the indian way of thinking is highly subjective so in comparing the two that is the both of the western and indian ways of thinking shows that uh, there are certain distinguishing traits the first trait of indian thinking is its hypocrisy and indians does not mean what they say and they say different things at different time and the theory of karma uh, is example karma that is karma theory and the theory of reincarnation uh the hindu buddhist and the jaina subscribes to it they are following this philosophy that is the kernel of indian philosophy and the theory of karma says that uh, the past life of a person determines his present life the theory of reincarnation shows uh, reincarnation shows a chain of cause and consequences and an ethical responsibility for one's life and uh, dr sheril uh, daniel has pointed out the discrimination that talavedi implies that one's fate is inscribed on his head at the time of birth it frees man from ethical responsibility and the second trait of indian thought is that it does not distinguish between self from non self that is interior from the exterior and nepal calls this a defect of vision and the third trait of indian thought is its inconsistency that is indian thought does not use objective facts to arrive at universal truth so as a result there is no unitary law for all indians as hegel put it the indians would not say bravery is a virtue but rather he would say bravery is a virtue for the brahmins the essence of judo christian ethics that is do not do unto others what you do not want done unto you and this principle is applicable to all but in manu the rightness of an action is dependent on who did what to whom and when so it is class specific and context specific and not context specific class specific and context specific not context specific So in other words indian philosophy is not universalistic but particularistic for example the dharma of a man varies according to his caste class gender and ashrama and bauthaina points out that uh, the barren practices of the brahmins varies from place to place and uh, so the indian way of thinking somehow already found a way to accommodate Uh, what the western way would consider only exceptions that is truth telling defined in terms of kant versus manu uh, being a prime example so in the pursuit of trying to uh, retrofit nuances of indian culture in the western context a lot of words and concept lost their meaning and this is something ramanujan tried to point over and over in his essay